Last one to the party, the podcast where we check in with someone who's checking out a classic film, long-running TV show, or legendary performer for the very first time. Welcome to this episode of Last One to the Party. It has been a while, some with good reasons, some without. Uh, There was about six weeks where my wife was in Vancouver and I was on solo dad duty to two boys. Not a lot of podcasting energy then. And also just uh, trying to figure out what shape and direction the podcast may have to take. It occurred to me in the wake of all of the current social events that... um, a lot of what I was focusing on was white dudes of a certain age, their cultural touchstones, and maybe that's not the most relevant thing right now is to sort of like insist upon that, <laughs> bring, you know, decry the 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 decline of attention to that. I'm okay with uh, not making everybody watch uh, white dude movies and listen to white dude records. For, you know, Gen X white dudes. What about my stuff? That's okay. We can move on. Uh, So I don't know. We may, I don't know what I'll do, but we'll figure it out, broaden it out somehow. Uh, I've got an episode put together that's a little different. It's not really in that sort of theme. It goes back to when my dad, who had a radio call-in talk show on KGO in San Francisco, um, he interviewed Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks was doing promotion for History of the World Part 1, and he came into the ABC local ABC affiliate, KGO. TV and radio were in the same building, sort of side by side, and he was there to do Good Morning San Francisco and then straight over to my dad's show at, I think at that time he was on at one, maybe two already. He was on one to four and then two to four, I think it was. Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe it was noon to four and then one to four, something like that. Anyway, but I, I believe it was during the summertime or I was off from school somehow and I was in the studio on the premises with Mr. Mel Brooks. And so I got to walk him across through the building because I knew the building because I'd kind of grown up like walking around there. And so I knew how to get from the radio side to the TV side. And so I walked him over there and he was chatting me up. He was nice as can be, very funny, very engaging. And he did the Good Morning San Francisco and they did three interview sessions, two for the movie, and then one that was like an evergreen that they aired months and months later, just as like, we've got Mel Brooks back in the studio to talk about his career. So it's interesting to get a little glimpse behind the scenes already of that sort of stuff. And my memory is of two things. One is that the the guy interviewing Mel Brooks asked him about the scene where Gregory Hines opens his mouth in wonder and awe at the the women dancing in history of the world and this enormous tongue rolls out of his mouth like you know six foot long tongue and the interview asked him where he found how he knew gregory hines had a tongue that long and mel brooks couldn't believe it and he started cracking up and laughing at him and he's like that was a fake that was a prosthetic what do you think he had a tongue that long what are you talking about i maybe i cannot believe that he would have asked him that question because i know the guy who asked him that question was also the meteorologist weatherman for the station. I don't think he was that much of an income poop, but I have a memory of him doing that. So if I could ever find tape of that interview, it would be on there. The other thing that I remember is, uh, I mean, the interview is here, so you can hear the interview, but in the walk, he told a joke that even as a 12-year-old, 11-year-old kid, maybe I was older, 13, 
I don't remember when that movie came out. 14-ish? Um, even as a kid, I was like, oh, that's a really funny joke. And I liked it also because it was mean. So imagine Mel Brooks telling this joke. And the references I'll, I'll update as best I can on the fly. But a guy goes into a producer's office to get funding for a movie. And he says, "It's everything is in place. I've got all the best people. I've got uh, a Soderbergh to direct. Goes, you got Steven Soderbergh? No. I got Sidney Soderbergh, but he's very good. He's just as good. Who do you have as your female lead? Uh, I've got Roberts. You got Julia Roberts? No, I got Melissa Roberts, but she's very good. Every bit is good. Uh, who, who do you have for your male lead? I got Clooney. You got George Clooney? I got uh, Freddie Clooney, but he's very good. Every bit is good. And for a supporting actor, I've got Rogan. You got Seth Rogan? Yes. That's the joke, except the punchline for him at the time was, I got Goulet. Robert Goulet? Yes. And you got to imagine Mel Brooks doing that yes with his hands out and that big smile on his face. It was hilarious. And during one of the commercial breaks, I told my dad that he has this joke that's very funny. And so in the interview, you hear my dad say, you've got a joke? And he's like, no, 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 I can't tell it. It's too mean. It's too mean. That's the joke. And he's such a nice guy, a mensch, some might say, uh, that he wouldn't tell it on air, which is all for the best. So, yeah, so this is a d part documentation of the day I got to spend with Mel Brooks. Good afternoon, and welcome back to uh, whatever it is we're doing here every afternoon about this time. I have telephone lines leading into the station, and today is your chance to say hello to Mel Brooks. Ask him anything. Anything you want to know. And in just a minute, uh, you'll be meeting Mel Brooks. First, I want to give you the phone numbers so you can call the program. In the city, dial 441-TALK. The prefix changes. If you're in the East Bay, it's 832-TALK. In the South Bay, 269. In the North Bay, 454. In Contra Costa, 938. And in San Mateo, 342-TALK. In New Jersey... In Tiburon. What is it in Tiburon? In Tiburon, they use the North Bay line. That's Mel Brooks, and we'll be talking with him right after this. But all we do is everything you need for... And go. Why go anywhere else? Visit any one of the many Bay Area Amco dealers. Check your yellow pages for the one nearest you. Go ahead. That's all right. I just have to do a little commercial. Else. What's your name? Summer is almost here, and for lots of us, that means vacation time. Whether you're planning to visit new places or just stay home with the family, you'll want to have plenty of pictures to remember your vacation by. I like a picture. A picture's nice. You take a picture... You look at it, you say, oh, there's Murray. Right now, Palmer's Camera in Berkeley is having a sale on all their Kodak film in stock. Stop by and mention KGO, and you'll get any film at 20% below list price. That's right. I'm going to mention 20% off. And if you're one of those people that would love to take pictures but doesn't have the right equipment, remember, Palmer's sells almost all their cameras at cost. When I was, a, when I was a boy, you used to take a picture of somebody on a pony. Now you can hardly find a pony. <laughs> for instance, right now, yeah. you can get the Olympus OM-10 with 50mm f1.8 lens for a low $209.95. Or the Canon AE-1 with 50mm 1.8 lens for just $249.95. Palmer's Camera in Berkeley has one of the largest selections of cameras and accessories in the Bay Area. Camera straps, camera bags, cases, filters, photo albums, and frames, all at low, low prices. So don't forget to bring home some memories of your next vacation. Palmer's Camera 
in downtown Berkeley. Come on, Murray, let's get over to Palmer's and see what's doing there with the lenses, the 15 to 30s, with the 30, 35 to 50 millimeter, 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 millimeter. Welcome to KGO, Mr. Brooks. Hi, Big Jim Eason. Nice to have you. You always wear a sequin poncho. When always. You, when you do the show. <laughs> Only when Very I do the show. Very interesting, right. Mel Brooks' movie. I, uh, let me get the movie plug yeah, in. Sure. I, have to, oh, sure. I have to say that or the trip was wasted, right? History of the World, Part 1, which is in the tradition of <laughs> Freeburg's USA and John Houston's Bible. Everything's part one. There's never a part two. <laughs> yes, there's, unfortunately, there's never a part one. There's always a part two. I mean, I have decided that there will no be no part two of history of the world. You're not going to update no, it? No, it'll be part six, oh. <laughs> but it ain't going to be part two. I don't like that number two. I'm going to bring a question from there you. There are fish living <laughs> in this man's heel. Maybe this I'm man not. is wearing Jewish wedgies <laughs> with living goldfish in his heels. And a sequin poncho. I've never seen a person on the radio dressed quite so outré as oh, Big Jimmy said. Yes. yes. Mel Brooks, uh, somewhere in your dark, dim past, you once yes. mentioned someone named Uncle Joe. Was there really an Uncle Joe? Yes. There is an Uncle Joe. I have an Uncle Joe. Um, he's retired. He used to be a cab driver. When you saw a big yellow DeSoto cab come down the street without a driver... <laughs> That was Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe was about three feet, eight inches tall. Even with telephone books, he could just about see above the wheel of his cab. It dithers. And so, I mean, it was amazing. that I mean, you just see this driverless cab floating around New York, and there's little Uncle Joe. Did he not give you advice, though, and give you words to live by? Yes. Things like that. Take the money and run. That was <laughs> one, of his one of his <laughs> What he made a movie out of, out of my Uncle Joe's philosophy. You, uh, I was looking through some of the background information on Mel Brooks. And I was Uncle Joe would often coalesce the vapor <laughs> of human existence by saying, get the hell out of here, leave me alone. <laughs> See, these were some of the words of wisdom. Pithy, trenchant yes. phrases. Pithy, trenchant, right. Words I was in those pithy trenches in World War One. These guys with pointy helmets kept, kept bothering, annoying us. Incidentally, just a few minutes ago, you were over next door taping some television things under false colors. Yes. You know, like, tomorrow we'll talk with Mel Brooks, and next week we'll talk with Mel. It's all done today, of course. But you said something off the air that the audience was robbed of, and I think you ought to share it with them. It had to do with Robert Goulet. No, 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 that's a bad joke. We don't do... No, that'll do... You don't hurt feelings? No, I can't do that. Robbed of? I mean, you're just going to get a lawsuit. Yeah. What the heck? No, it's just a joke. It's oh, you're not going to tell Robert Goulet? There's a wonderful joke about salt. You want to hear a salt joke? Oh. If I can't hear the Goulet joke, I'll settle a little. A little Jewish person walks into a grocery store, and he says, I'd like a half a pound of... Excuse me. I'm looking on your shelves, and I see about 10,000 boxes of salt. Uh, do you sell a lot of salt? The, the grocery man says, salt. If I sell, if I sell a box a month, uh, two boxes a month, I'll throw a party of salt. I don't sell much salt. So why do you have 10,000 boxes of salt all over your shelves? He says, I don't sell salt, but the guy that sells me salt, oh, oh can he sell salt? Oh, is he good? Oh, 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 oh. You also, uh, you said just a few days ago on, uh, I think it was on Today, that the critics always love your movies. No, I never said that. I said the crickets. The crickets. <laughs> I said the crickets love my movies. They move their hind legs in unison and the floor. But the critics normally don't like my movies. They but they're always they're one off. Too far. One movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, you've got the history of the world out, now they're raving about high anxiety. Right, exactly. When high anxiety came out, they didn't like that, but they loved silent movie. Exactly. So when they started, Renata Adler was the uh, film critic for the New York Times, and I, my first film at that time in 1968 was The Producer, starring Zero Mostel, Oliver Schultz. He was a, 
he is gone. He, he, he was the best, fat, beautiful, majestically talented comic that uh, ever was. And there was Gene Wilder. I found Gene Wilder. He, he was on Broadway, and I, he was doing Mother Courage. Jack Brooks is in the studio. Jack used, used to do Broadway musicals. He knows everybody. He just came in to take notes. <laughs> right. And uh, so I found Gene Wilder, and we did this, we did this crazy musical about neo-Nazism called Springtime for Hitler in the middle of a picture called The Producers. Well, Renata Adler thought it was horrible. She thought it was in bad taste. She thought too far out and, and uh, not very good. And what happened was that that is still running. The Producers <laughs> are still running, and Renata Adler is nowhere. She is not running anywhere. You can't find her in Cincinnati. Nowhere can you find that woman. So I'm saying it's dangerous to criticize a Mel Brooks picture because you'll be not and it'll be. Yes. Yes. yes That's why Jack so loves all your films. He yeah. wants to keep working. Right. Well, <laughs> time is only is the only true test. If a picture survives a certain amount of time, then it is becomes a legend or a classic. And if it doesn't, it goes to, you know the way of all uh, celluloid. I am the only filmmaker that I know in America. The only true filmmaker. What? I mean, I actually make the film in my cellar. <laughs> I have. Backs of celluloid, and I have sprocket punches. Punch for the little holes. the celluloid is dry, boom, boom, back. I make those sprocket holes. I make the film. I get 18 cents a foot. You, you also work in the projection rooms yes. at the Metro. Right. <laughs> the Metro is where History of the World Part 1 is playing, and I will be there. I, I'm going to hang out there tonight. You'll be there tonight? Yeah, well, I'm going to drift, drift in oh. and out. I like to watch the smiling faces of the audience. And occasionally, I like to watch the weirdos who take paper clips and shoot them at the screen. I don't know what <laughs> that, that gets me crazy. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you make, or are you going to make, or have you thought about making a movie called Marriage is a Dirty Rotten Fraud? I have written a screenplay called Marriage is a Dirty Rotten Fraud, and one day, if America allows me, I will make this movie. <laughs> That's about not your next marriage. project, though. No, 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 no. My next my next project is High Murray. <laughs> The story of a Jew that fell off an ice cream truck <laughs> in Philadelphia while selling bungalow bars. There are some... Um, who was Kate Brookman? Katie Brookman is... She is extant. The name from the past. Yes, though. she's my mother. Ah. She is very short. She can literally walk under a coffee table wearing a high hat. <laughs> my, my Uncle Joe is her brother. And that, that entire family, there are five of them that could be shoved into one person <laughs> to make a normal six-foot person. I mean, they're all about 312. You know what I mean? I'm just 312, that's four feet. Just, yeah, yes. yeah. That's good. I'm just casting about through some of Mel Brooks' past to find out if there's any, uh, any load that needs mining here. And I think the artillery. Yeah. You were in the artillery. I was. On our side. How right? do you know that? I know everything. I was the only one who wore a German... I wore a German belt because I loved the buckle. World War One belt. Really, during the war, it said, Gott mit uns, <laughs> and which means God's with us. And it scared the heck out of a lot of soldiers who thought maybe God was with them. You know, they weren't sure who he was with during that big war. Anyway, I was with the artillery, but I had to leave. Noisy. <laughs> noisy. Very noisy. I one uh, one five, five millimeter cannon is worse than a firecracker. I mean, there's nowhere to hide. I mean, you really, really make a lot of noise. I used to take cigarettes and shove them in my ears. That's the only way I got through the war because of the noise of the German mortar fire and the 155 American artillery fire. It was a noisy war, I must tell you. I've got some people on the telephone that want to say hello to you. Have you done this before? Hello to folks I, I on mean, the telephone? What do you mean, weirdos who like yes. to know what you're Strange hearing? People. Okay. Yes. Hello, this is Jim Eason with Mel Brooks. Yeah, I uh, just wanted to call and say that uh, I've been a Mel Brooks fan now for uh, ever since um, 
uh, silent movie and Young Frankenstein. I was too young to go see Blazing Saddles. Well, you're a tasteless young man, but thank you anyway. What's your name? Dave. That's Dave. Dave. Yeah. Dave. Okay, talk up, Dave, because when I'm talking, some, somehow you, you fade away. Oh. Um, I wanted to ask two questions. First of all, when, uh, when you read a review of your movie in the newspaper and it's, like, really, really bad, they're just uh, calling your film body odor and everything, do you, uh, w what do you do? I, I, I save those reviews. I save them. They're, they're invaluable. Because when, uh, when you run out of paper, you, there you, you got some <laughs> wonderful reviews. <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, uh, Dave, to be quite honest, I do like, when, when I respect a critic and he quarrels with the movie and he, I, I can gain something from it, I, I thank him for it. But if it's just pure invective and vitriol, then, then, then he's not servicing me or, or the public. He's just, he's just using my movie to make himself self-righteous and, and uh, he's a waste of time and he will be blown away. Thank you for that call, Dave. Incidentally, it sounds as if everybody is panning your new movie. I've seen rave reviews of this movie. The, yes. only, th the only thing I've seen is they say something like this. Mel Brooks' new movie is the funniest movie ever made. It is great. It is falling down, screaming funny in the worst taste imaginable. He insults everybody. Yes. He, and, and, but they love it. I, uh, the, the, the people that are the most upset about this because of the Spanish Inquisition are people of Jewish persuasion. Now, I don't know who persuaded them to be Jews. <laughs> I didn't tell them to go out there and wear those big six-pointed stars. But since we all are Jews, I will say this to them, that there is a method to my madness. When I did Springtime for Hitler and the producers, there, there was a point to it. I was trying to uh, prick the balloon of neo-Nazism, which was then on the inflated rise. Now, this is a knock at anti-Semitism, uh, which is always with us. And so they, and Blazing Saddles is against black racial prejudice. So, I mean, there, there's a point. There is a method to my madness. Please be kind. <laughs> Take your time. Don't go off. And besides, isn't it nice to see a bevy of nuns Swimming in precision time? I mean, that's the that's <laughs> thrilling. That, you that can show not, is. Esther Williams, you're not going to beat that. Now, the, I, the other night, I uh, saw Blazing Saddles on television. In fact, I stole a tape of it. I love it. I love Copied it. it right yes, off TV. I love it. And I was thinking, I'm going to be talking to this man next week. Now, there's one question I've got to ask him. Does it have to do with wind across the prairie? No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. no the famous campfire scene. Yeah. In fact, you did break new ground there, so to speak. Yes, yes. First time in movies. I think new. it has been done since. They're stealing from you now. Yes, I know, I know. Every dirty, vulgar thing I do is quickly stolen away from me. But in the first 60 seconds of Blazing Saddles, when that movie first opens, within the first 60 seconds, somebody on the screen says, N***, ch***, and f***. Yes. In the first 60 in seconds. The first 60 now, you know my Aunt Alma's going to be upset. Yeah, well, look, I, we put a big R on that picture to say, Alma, this is restricted to people of, 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 of a more, you know, uh, ubiquitous and... Uh, universal and Catholic sense of humor, you know. I mean, Catholic in the broad, open sense. I yeah. am married to one of them. Not as opposed to... They're very <laughs> strict. Very strict. You know, when I was uh, 2,000 years ago, I was, I was manufacturing the Jewish star. Six men, each with a point, would run together in the center of the factory, thereby fusing and making the stars. One star, yeah. If I would have known that, uh, that Christianity would be such a big hit... I could have fired four guys, two guys run together, boom, you got to cross your business. <laughs> I was a fool to stay with the old religion. Well, let's see who's on the phone. Hello there, Jim Eason with Mel Brooks. Hi, Jim. How you doing? And Melvin, what a pleasure heaven it is to say hi. Oh, thank you. I 
just uh, by the way, you did say one of the heavy seven in that balloon talk, which you can't say on television. Okay. What? Oh, I, I don't know. You'll have to listen closely. I'm very, very careful about skirting language on the R-A-D-I-O-U. Fast that nobody picked it up except me and George Collin. Anyway, it was a balloon talk joke. Yes. Anyway, are you still um, close with um, Carl Reiner and Sitzies and all that? Yes. Are you really? Do you see them at all? Are they, are they still active? Uh, Sid Caesar is uh, a very important caveman in History of the World Part One, uh, and Carl Reiner and I still do records. We don't make them professionally, but we do entertain loads of uh, people uh, at parties because we simply love to do the 2,000-year-old man. Oh, yeah, that, 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 that's a good bit. Uh, Murray, I, I just, was one of my favorite. Take a look, take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be funnier than the Jews here. All right. I mean, you know. Eat a nectarine right. every day. But thanks for calling. I mean, that was very, very nice of you. Nice to hear from you. Speaking of the old Show of Shows cast, when you see Howie Morris, does he give you wide berth? Does he stay away from you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> poor, poor Howie. I mean, do you, uh, you know about the stories of me and Howie? <laughs> yeah. When I first met Howie Morris, who was an actor, one of the original actors on the Show of Shows, it was Sid Caesar, Carl Reiner, Imogen Coke, and Howie Morris. And Sid introduced me... It was my first day on the job as a writer, as a Frenchman from French television learning about American television. So I immediately, like I do, ad-libbed, and I became a Frenchman. So I said, I, I got a little crazy. I said, Monsieur Morris and Mr. Caesar, he say to me, for your nose, to be part of your life for the next three days. Mr. Caesar wishes me to live in your house with you and your wife and uh, eat your beans and uh, drink your milk or whatever you American stew to for the food and to sleep in your bed. So if I could, and Howie took me home. He bought it. <laughs> he bought it. And for three days and three nights, I lived with Howie Morris and his wife until they were ready to throw me out through the window. I mean, I was, and, and finally on the fourth day, I said um, something like, so how you doing, Howie? You know, right? <laughs> and he, he, he collapsed, you know. But is it not true that you... Uh... Yes, I held him up. <laughs> Howie and I were walking down McDougal Alley in Greenwich Village in New York City, and it looked like a perfect place for a holdup. So I smacked him in the face, and I took his watch and his ring, and I took all his money, and I ran away. And then he called Sid Caesar, and he said, you know, Mel has gone berserk. And Sid said, don't ever ask for the... He will give you these things back, but never ask for them. Don't make him crazier. Don't... And I... And it's true. About 10 days later, I said, oh, Howie, uh, this must be your stuff. Every once in a while, I, I go a little bananas, and please forgive me. Set two years later, we're rolling in Central Park. I hit him with the oar. He gave me all his stuff, his wedding ring, and, and that was it. He, he got out of the boat and walked ashore, you know. So now when he sees yeah. you, he kind of gives yeah, you a little distance, he, right? He never knows when I'm going to rob him again. I mean, you know. <laughs> Let me pause again for a second, do a little commercial business, while we fall back and regroup. Mel Brooks is here. If you want to say hello, get on the phone. He is the uh, auteur of The History of the World, Part 1. And we'll talk more with Mel Brooks. author? There's no author in that. Oh, auteur. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't say author. You said author. We'll continue right after this. Line flights now departing from Mexico. For that temporary problem in your accounting department, call the best. Call Account Temps at 788-7030. Oh, yes. Well, now, clean it up, guys, because we're back. Mel Brooks is in town. It's good to be the king. It's good to be the king. <laughs> yes, it it's always good to be the king. Mel Brooks' new movie is The History of the World, Part 1. It's showing in town at the Metro Theater. 
why are you in town now? Is, is the movie doing badly? Or the are you just hyping it? Splendidly. <laughs> the movie is doing uh, better than anybody's That's expectations. That's what I thought. And we had uh, great expectations. Charles Dickens gave me that line. Uh, I've got to tell you, when a movie company launches a movie, they're very computerized now. Mm. They, they, they'll spend a couple of million dollars, but they'll do two weeks before the movie opens and two weeks after, and that's it. Next movie. They kind of, Next movie, right. Now, um, I'm not as crazy as Blake Edwards, who's a <laughs> remarkable thing. Did you hear about that? <laughs> He's hired two Learjets, and Norman was very nice to give him those jets. <laughs> He's hired two Learjets, crowded all the people, Julie Andrews, etc., into those jets, and he's flying them all around the country because Paramount is obviously not supporting the picture in the manner, uh, you know, it should be supported, mm -hmm. and Paramount is not is, is not doing the job. He, he laid out about 110000 for a party in L.A., I heard, yeah, a few I weeks think. ago. Well, I, it's, it, he's absolutely right to do it. He's absolutely right. A movie in this, I don't blame him. Look, he's up against History of the World, mm -hmm. Superman <laughs> 2, uh, The Muppet, Cape, uh, uh, James Bond's new picture. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of stuff out there. And everybody wants a little slice of that movie pie, and I don't blame them for And what I'm doing is keeping our profile hot and heavy and alive, and, and I don't want to slip either. So I'm, I'm out there uh, telling people, well, if I'm, they don't see History of the World, Part 1, they're crazy. <laughs> I'm delighted you're here because it gives me a chance to ask you some questions. First, we have to pause for a little news, and then we'll get right back with uh, Mel Brooks. I bet it's about the med fly. <laughs> also that known. That little flying little med fruity, that little fruit fly that is making such trouble in our orchard that it's ridiculous. We're going to check with our newsroom now. And, cover your uh, cars! Cover Mike, your cars! Mike LaPetomaine. Do not covet thine Davis car. Oh, this is an update from the KGO Radio newsroom, and wouldn't you know it, southern states have decided to impose a quarantine on California produce and... is doing this commercial, I am doing a remarkable impression of Harpo Marx. <laughs> Unfortunately, he never spoke, so you can't hear him, but I am doing it right Gold now. bracelets, neck chains, charms, rings, and pierced earrings are also 40% off. They're just $38.99 to $152.99. Today's the day to save 40% on 14-karat gold and diamond jewelry at Mervyn's Vallejo store, 701 Sereno Drive. See you later, Merv. Tomorrow, the Gold and Diamond sale moves to Mervyn's Fairfield store, so hurry. Bring your Mervyn's card, your Visa, or Master Charge today to Mervyn's Vallejo store. Remember, save 40% on 14-karat gold and diamond jewelry for men and women today only from noon to 8 p.m. at Mervyn's Vallejo store. Come on, Murray, let's get to Buick and go to Fairfield. We're going to see Big Murray. What is it that's funny about the word Buick? Cuh, cuh. The cuh. The cuh. Chicken cuh. is funny because they got cuh. Duck is funny because they got cuh. Capon isn't funny. <laughs> It ends in a nun, and Capon, Capon's not funny. Hello there, Jim Eason with Mel Brooks. My name is Christina. Hello. Yes. My name is Christina. Christina. Mm-hmm, I'm nine. I like to say that I, li I like the Muppet movie a lot when you, to you, you told Miss Piggy that you, that you were going to, that um, Kermit wouldn't know her from Armour Bacon. Oh, yes. You were <laughs> very you know, mean in the Muppet movie. Yes, I was, I was, uh, a lot of little children don't realize that I was acting in that movie. I really love Miss Piggy, and I really love Kermit. I was in the first Muppet movie, yes, by the way, for I those folks. I'm not in the second Muppet movie, because I counted the money they gave me for the first one. <laughs> no, no, really, because uh, uh, we, we couldn't work that out. But uh, I enjoyed, I, I want you to know, Christina, that I love Kermit, and I love Miss Piggy, and I was just playing a bad guy, but I'm really not a very bad person. 
I don't think she's buying it now. <laughs> what happened to Christina? Thank you, Christina. Let's see who's calling from the South Bay. Hello, Jim Eason with Mel Brooks. Oh, uh, Mel, are you having any? Did you get any static from the moral majority about the uh, about blazing saddles? I get static from the moral majority about driving a Studebaker. I mean, <laughs> I can't do anything right. Listen, I got a lot of static from the uh, Benet Brith too. I mean. Um, to tell you the truth, I am not going to let any group or any uh, political party turn me into a timid filmmaker. I am uh, crazy, anarchic, outrageous, wacky uh, uh, person, and I intend to be that. And as long as my contract really is with the with people, I'm a rum runner. I got this rum, and I've got all these pickets out there, coast guards, and the moral majority, and the critics, and they won't let me, you know. But I am making this wonderful rum, and I will get it to the people, and they seem to love it. And uh, look, time is on my side. Oh, give us more. We love your rum. Of course, certainly. Do you have trouble Someone's though? Someone's taking my picture. You can't see that on our radio, but it's it's wonderful. You want to pose a little bit? This one? Yeah, I have to take a, give picture, a big smile. picture on radio. Here we go. Click there. Yeah, you heard that click. <laughs> Do you ever have any trouble with the pe with the authorities in Hollywood, like the the hotshot Hollywood people? Say, I'll give you money for your movie, Brooks, if you'll just leave out the yes, vampire scene. Yeah, they 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 are foolish. They do that. Warner Brothers wanted me to leave out the campfire scene. They did. They did that. Now they are incredibly happy because it's in its fifth run all over these United States because of dirty insanities like that. Do you ever go to movies? When you get a, I mean, other I than love movies. I, I love movies. I go, I go to movies. Let all me the ask time. you about another movie that, if I hadn't known better, I would if have you sworn. You feel something in the dark that's me. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. Yes. So uh, to speak. There was a movie that came out last summer, I believe, that I, I would have sworn was one of yours, Airplane. Well, I mean, in a, in a way, it's kind of a tribute to the kind of comedy humor, the satire we did on the show of shows and some of my early movies, and I really loved that movie. I laughed. I laughed my side when they knock the stuffings out of them Harry Krishnas at the airport. <laughs> I mean, and those punches were louder and bigger than life. I just, I mean, they put me away. I left my seat. You, I went right down. The I mean, kid comes up and says, give something to Jerry's kids. Yes, yes, that was, that was beautiful. I mean, Hello was, there, Jim Easton with Mel Brooks. Hi, Jim. It's been about two years since I talked to you. I'm the lady that called in about when you had the guy on about fairies, the real ones. About fairies. Oh, yes, the real fairies. Yeah. And um, my name is Bethlehemu. And the reason I'm calling is because we have a 14-year-old son who we took to see his new movie. And I, as a Christian, would really like to recommend to a lot of people because <laughs> I think sometimes we have a tendency to be too serious. And whether or not we want to acknowledge it or not, I think Mel Brooks teaches us, teaches us a lot about bigotry and about... Um, Staying in our own little corner and forgetting about the other guy. Gee, I really, that this is one of the nicest phone calls I've ever gotten. You are a wonderful person. You know, and I, I will told my husband that at 2 o'clock this morning when he was laughing <laughs> in bed. He laughs in his sleep a lot. Oh. Why does he laugh in bed? Don't ask. I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> I went to see your movie the other day. And uh. ever since then, about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't know if it's... He's dreaming about something from the movie or something, but I wake up in the bed shaking, and he's laying there laughing. Oh. And that's what you do to him. Oh. Well, I mean, then you should really thank me if he's shaking that bed. But I, I, I love this call, and I thank you. I really thank you for your... For your kind words and for your oh. observations, and I mean, I, it's the kind of thing that makes me very happy. I appreciate it. Tribute from a Christian. Yes. That ain't bad. Well, my wife is one of them Christians, and she likes me, too. I want to ask you about your wife, by the way. Yeah. Everybody does a take when they find out that Anne Bancroft, serious, dramatic actress, beautiful lady, very talented lady, is married to this 
wacko. Is the marriage stable? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything's all right. What do you mean, stable? We don't meet in the stable. We, we, we're regular people in an apartment. You apartment even, 4B, Regal Park, New York. You even put her in one of your movies. Yes. And I, her career survived. Yes, I, I paid her about 11 cents. That's why she, <laughs> she did the movie. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, we, we get along famously. We love each other, and we're, uh, ever since the first moment that I met her, we, she's my best friend. We talk to each other, and she's gotten me over some, some rough hurdles in this business, and uh, I owe a lot. I owe a lot of my success and about $11,000 to her. I borrowed some money from her purse once in Vegas. I want to ask you a serious yeah. question about you and Anne Bancroft, because when uh, the TV, the show of shows, finally ended, uh, there was a period of time when there wasn't too much Mel Brooks. We'd, uh, you were probably no. working full-time, but nobody really heard about you. And then yeah, suddenly, it was, it was lean, lean days. Yeah. Get Smart came along yeah. and things like this, and all of a sudden you were back. And now, 20 years ago, if somebody had called and said, you want to talk to Mel Brooks tomorrow, I'd say, oh, sure, yeah, he's a writer on the TV thing. Yeah. Now, and they call, oh, you bet your boots, get him in here. Of course, you're yeah. big stuff now. There was a period, though, when you weren't so big. No, right? no, I was, it was a very uh, fallow work period for me, and... Uh, Annie kept me going, really. I mean, uh, both uh, emotionally and uh, spiritually. Uh, I mean, uh, and, and financially. I mean, she literally took me out to dinner. I, uh, when the show shows folded, um, I, I was really down and out. And I, uh, it, Carl Runner and I made the record. That was our oh, yeah. my comeback as far as paying rent, anyway. And then get smart help. But there was that period there where I was really feeling bad. I mean, I really needed a lot of psychiatric help because you know failure is very tough to take and uh i was thinking of uh, psychotherapy and then i met ann bancroft and i mean she literally <laughs> saved me i mean she just she told me i was good i, I think mean, she's a marvelous has, lady someone has to has to give you you need someone by your side filling you with 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 self-esteem and then she was she was the person who did it she also has funny eyes she did she crossed <laughs> her eyes and she made Marty Feldman crazy. I mean, Marty Feldman is the only man in the world that can look out the size of his ears, you know? And then you can hide it. from Marty Feldman, by the way. If you stick your nose against his nose, he can't see you because he looks out the sides of his face. You can Mel Brooks, hide. The History of the World, Part 1. Hello there, Jim Eason, KGO. Uh, Mr. Eason, I'd like to ask a few questions about Mr. Brooks. Uh, Mr. Brooks, please. Okay. Nothing personal, please. Um, first, I'd like to say you're my favorite comedic filmmaker, and as a matter of fact, I just got off watching Blazing Saddles. We copied oh. the tape off... Um, yeah. Don't say that on the air. You're not supposed to do it, but that's okay. We didn't hear it. Yeah. I just watched it. And yeah. I, I like to say I love the um, Jewish Indian. <laughs> and uh, in the uh, History of the World Part 1, you have the Count de Monet, and everybody calls him the Count de Money. Right. Same thing in Blazing Saddles with Hedley Lamar and Hedy Lamar. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I have a tendency to repeat the bad jokes. So. <laughs> oh, I thought they were. That's yeah. Hedley. You know, as a matter of fact, to tell you the truth, I spoke to Gene yesterday, and uh, we are talking about uh, maybe a classic again, maybe a Jekyll and Hyde, where we, we could get Marty Feldman and maybe Peter Boyle and, and that oh. crew back together and have some more fun, you know, with, with, a, with a, a good old uh, classic. Yeah, that's my next question was going to be if you're going to spoof any more uh, film classics, like when you used to f spoof Hitchcock and the westerns, you know, and the horror movies. Those used to be great, you know. But now, who decides whether, who decides whether you get it or Woody Allen gets it? Oh well, <laughs> well I mean, we just draw. We just there's a big fishbowl. I he usually picks paper. I I love a fish. I I pick <laughs> a fish out and eat it. I love fish. Uh, well, w you know, movie genres are are always there, and I think. Uh, Airplane was a was a mm. wonderful uh, testament to the fact that 
that uh, you can you can have fun with, uh, with 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 frames of reference like that, like with nothing else. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm sorry, I want to ask one more. Okay, sure. go ahead. Um, you, before, um, I read an interview uh, with you in Oakland Tribune, and they said you were going to make a, a war uh, spoof, and then, but you shelved it for History of the World. Uh, are you going to make that anyway, or? Well, yeah, I am, I am. Like, uh, like, uh, like Patton and a few other, well, I love war. <laughs> Patton. Yeah. <laughs> a Mel Brooks Patton. Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, I, you know, uh, uh, war is a phenomenon that should be treated with comedy. It's too serious to be treated any other way. So I think a war movie would be a lot of fun. And I think if I were a World War II flying tiger with a crushed hat and a crushed nose, I think that would be, that would be good. And thank you for calling, and thank you for asking uh, sensible and, and uh, questions that evoked terrific answers from your obedient Jew. I thought so. Yes. You, I want to also give you credit for something you don't always get credit for. And that, well, of course, everybody knows now that you were involved in the Elephant Man, which is... Well, very few people know that, really, Jim. I know, because you kept it a secret. <laughs> yes, I, I kept a very low profile. But I am the, the company. It's Brooks Films. I made the Elephant Man. But I would never let the critics or anybody know that, because they would prejudge the picture. You know what we thought when the word got out. Mel Brooks doing the Elephant Man. Can you see what's coming? And yeah. it was a beautiful movie. Yeah. Very well done. But I wanted to we pay won tribute the, we to won the When British Things Were Rotten. Academy Award. Oh, did you see When Things I Were Rotten? I loved When Things Were Rotten. Yeah. With Dick and I Godier. wish somebody would run it again. Yeah. I've got some, uh, some tapes of that, When Things Were Rotten. Can we and show I play them now? It, I play it from time to time, and woof, that's funny. That is funny <laughs> stuff. You know, I've seen this. I saw a scene yesterday where he said, where the sheriff of Nottingham points to a peasant, a serf, and he says... Put that man in his place, and four guys come with hammers and pound him into the earth. It was really, it was hysterically silly and funny. I have to pause again for a moment and sure. show something. While we're, show, we're letting you hear this commercial, we're going to prepare a little film clip. Now, we don't ordinarily do this on radio, but I've got a clip from Silent Movie I want to show <laughs> right after this. May I take a moment to tell you exactly how you can be driving a new BMW? Eureka Federal Savings, not the biggest, just the best. Oh, <laughs> Mel Brooks is here, and we're talking about, incidentally, I heard, I don't know that this is true, but I heard that everybody who goes to see the History of the World Part 1 this week can get in free. <laughs> I, mean, I just not, thought I'd start a rumor. I, I don't know if that's true, Jim. I don't know. I mean, I don't mind filling the theaters, but I mean... But come on. Can, but, but yes, right, you can't do that. I mean, you're going to get good at people crazy. No, this is, uh, everybody should go see it this week because it may close next week, right? No, as a matter of We're fact... We're trying to fill the theaters somehow. A, as a matter of fact, I will be skulking around the theaters. Oh? Yes, tonight and tomorrow night, and uh, they can see me in person if, if, if they have a flashlight. I just, had a, yeah. I just had a funny thought. Everybody's lined up, or as they say in England, queued up to see the movie tonight. And suddenly somebody spots you, and they yeah. all come running over and rip off your clothes and screaming and yelling, you know, that Mel Brooks, oh my God, Mel Brooks. And it could happen. Yeah, it could happen. Uh, you know, I, I, when I go to premieres, I always wear paper clothes. <laughs> because, <laughs> Just in case. I mean, they're always ripping off my clothes, and I don't want them to tear up shark skin or something you pay <laughs> over 16 or $17 for. So I like, I like, I go, and I go in paper clothes. I have a paper tuxedo, and they rip it off, and I always have a beautiful Fruit of the Loom shorts underneath, so I'm never really naked. Would you like to borrow yeah. my cape? Do you have a cape? <laughs> Hello, Jim Easton with Mel Brooks. Hi, Mel. Yes. And Jim, I'm sorry. Yeah. Is it true, since all the good questions have been asked, that you are uh, not addicted but love Raisinets and Fred Astaire music? I was going to buy you some Raisinets yeah. today and forgot it. That's a very good question, yeah. I eat a lot of Raisinets, uh, ra you know, because uh, 
they are they have a lot of iron in them the only problem is that your lower intestine rusts after a while from all that ingesting iron however uh, the Fred Astaire thing is very dangerous, that Fred Astaire question, because I have expensive furniture, and sometimes when I put, I play putting on the Ritz, and I dance in <laughs> black and white wingtip shoes, I do destroy a lot of good furniture. You know, he kicked, he kicked a lot of furniture. Oh. Yes. But that was a good question, darling. And thank you very much for calling. Let's try San Francisco. Hello, Jim Eason with Mel Brooks. Hi, the questions I was going to ask have been spoken for, but I did want to take this opportunity to thank Mel Brooks for what he is. If, if you really insult just about everybody in your new picture, I can't wait to see it. And <laughs> Go this week. Uh, okay. And I would like to, uh, I adore, and I, I've seen, I love the, the Blazing Saddles and the Producers, the two of my very favorite pictures. I can't, can't get over the fact that when you made Blazing Saddles, you were so far ahead of what was being <laughs> shown. You were so innovative, creative, uh, uh, it was so fresh and funny. Yeah, well, I thank you, darling, for that, for that wonderful remark. However, the same thing is happening now. With History of the World Part 1, I am accused of going too far, once again. <laughs> and uh, in a couple of years, I'm either going to say, well, how did he know? How did he know it was good to be the king, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and things of that nature. I so I really appreciate your, your understanding. I want to see a review someday that says, Mel Brooks' new movie doesn't go far enough. <laughs> yes, oh, oh, I'd love to see that. Incidentally, people can see your movie several times because there are always things yes, you Yes, they catch. can see it in the first row, then sure. they can go to the back row. <laughs> they can see it from the other side of the screen where people are reversed and sound blithered because of the sound. <laughs> they can, yes, it, it, it's in Swedish on the other side. If you walk behind the screen, Murner to burn curl sturm. That's what you hear. But do people catch things like the little inside references? I was thinking about Blazing Saddles again. There was... You had Lily von Stupp yes. and Governor Le Petomain, Yes. And that may slip by a lot of folks, but once in a while you go, wait a minute, did he say what I think yeah. he said? But a, lot, a lot of people don't know that Governor Le Petomain was the man who broke wind for a living <laughs> on the French stage, right? He could, he could play the Marseillaise uh, from uh, on a different orifice, not his mouth. I mean, now that's, and, a, that's a true story. That was a yeah. real person. Oh, absolutely. Governor, yeah, his name was Le Petomain. Le Petomain. Le Petomain means small bomb. <laughs> Le Petamain is French for bon. How appropriate. Petard, Petamain. Hello, Jim Eason with Mel Brooks. Yeah, and Bancroft. Ah, uh, that's not true. She's one-sixth wacko. Oh, one-sixth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can't remember the show it was, but when she did the thing where she's on the psychiatrist's couch recounting, uh, oh, yeah. meeting the guests at the door and introducing them, Eva Ava. <laughs> That's Una, Una, that was one of the funniest bits I have ever seen. Yeah. That, I'm so glad you said that. Um, we're doing, Ann and I are doing a movie, and it's, it's going to be written by the fella Tom Meehan, M-E-E-H-A-N, who wrote Annie on Broadway, the big hit musical. But he wrote that sketch for Annie in the first uh, TV special that she did, Abba, Uba, Ima, Ima, Uma, Uma, Iba. He wrote that crazy, with all the craziest first names in the world, and I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I tell you, that was one, I have never forgotten that. It, uh, Jim, I don't know if you ever saw that or not. I didn't remember it until just now. Yeah. When you were said before, when I'd been on the phone here listening in the background, you know, when you were talking about her being a serious actress and all, and I said, oh, he must have never seen that thing. It, it, I'll tell you, it'll, it'll, if you ever get to see it, it will fracture you. Well, her, the dance she did in uh, Silent Movie, 
Yes. Was when I dipped her and banged her head on the table. Crashed her head on the way yes, out. Yes. yes. But I do have a serious question. Sure. How did the 2,000-year-old man handle the fruit fly? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, he gave up eating nectarines, the thing he loved more than a fine plum, a rotten nectarine. He gave up eating them because he didn't want med disease in his turmoil. Of this is incredible, isn't it? The uh, 2,000 years ago, we had a similar thing. Oh, a yes. fly? No, 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 no. It was called Gentiles. <laughs> they would come with clubs and smash you on the head. And take yeah. your fruit. Right, and take your fruit away. They'd steal all your fruit. Yeah. Are you still uh, of the impression that uh, the greatest invention in the history of the world, part one, two, or three, you used to say saran wrap, then you change it to glad bags. No. No? I, uh, I changed it to liquid prell. <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest. Yes, because liquid prell was, was put into a plastic case, and you could throw it on the floor and bounce, and it never broke, and it was thrilling. And a little bit of liquid prell made a lot of soap in your hair and well, your nose. how do you equate that with the invention of the computer, say? The computer was good. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I was, I was a straight man yes, for 10 right. seconds there. Uh, we'll continue with Mel Brooks in just a minute. Presenting GE National Sale Days. When you can save money on so many appliances, you may have trouble making up your mind. For brochure, write to Oriana, care of KGO 277 Golden Gate Avenue, San Francisco, or visit or call your nearest Emporium Capital or Weinstock's Well Travel Bureaus. They are located in all Emporium Capital and Weinstock stores. London Showtime, November 7th on SS Oriana. Visit, write, or call today. Does that make you want to run out and buy one? It's, is he doing a record? <laughs> I mean, it's, he sounds, it sounds like he's the call runner of Mel Brooks again. <laughs> But, I mean, I, I like his delivery. I that, like that commercial. That's our travel agent friend, Val Tupi. And he does his own? Yes. Commercials. Makes you want to go somewhere, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, makes you want to go. I mean, it's, he, the man, man is very brave. I think that's wonderful. Today, a lot of banks are giving excuses for not giving business loans. Because at Lloyd's Bank, California, we know who we work for. Member FDIC. Okay, we're talking with Mel Brooks, and let's see who's on the phone. Hello, Jim Eason, KGO. Oh, no, uh, by the way, you can call that place Frisco, it's all right. Okay. Uh, so, no, I saw the producers, and I really liked it, but uh, Young Frankenstein was a ripoff, and so why don't you make up for it by driving your rolls down here to San Jose and give me a couple free tickets to your movie, and yeah. don't bring any fruit with you because you'll have to be sprayed because of this Netfly thing. Okay, now listen, <laughs> smarty. <laughs> First of all, I drive a Honda Civic, not a Rolls. And secondly, Young Frankenstein was anything but a ripoff. Maybe you didn't understand how great it was, and maybe you felt cheated because it was in black and white, and you wanted a nice, colorful film that they make at Disney Studios. You want Disney? Go but to Disney. You want Disney? Go to Disney. Young Frankenstein was one of the most beautiful, eloquent, funny films ever made. And I drive a Honda. So you're wrong on two counts. <laughs> but come to see History of the World Part 1. And if you don't like it, we'll give you some of your money back. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Jim Eason with Mel Brooks. Yes, Mel, not Igor, Igor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what up? <home>? <laughs> um, I like both your works, Jim, your work and Mel's. And uh, I have a question for Mel. When you have an idea for a bit that's going to be in a movie, as you work on it uh, through direction and production, does it lose? Do you ever question whether or not it's going to work the way you want it to work? Uh, do you ever, you know, lose confidence? What was the one about the lobster you were yeah, trying to Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I believe in something with all my heart, and then it's, for, it's, it's on the cutting room floor. We once did a thing in silent movie called Lobsters in New York. Now that sounds good. <laughs> I mean, the camera came in, and you saw a giant lobster in a tuxedo. 
He had menus under his arm. And then beautiful lobsters that were dressed in gowns and tuxedos came in, and he gave them menus. And, he, and a beautiful uh, a, a lobster uh, waitress sat people down. And then they all went over to this fish tank where these human beings were swimming around. You know? now, now, it sounds great, but that it, we couldn't get a laugh. So sometimes you believe in something, and unfortunately it ends up on the cutting room floor. Let's get one more call in here. Hello, Jim Eason with Mel Brooks. Yes, Mel. Have you ever thought about doing uh, comedy sketch on the sophisticated life and complicated life children lead who go to the center? Children lead what? Lead when they go to the center, the center for early education. Oh, oh. Oh, no, no. He, he's talking about, I have some children that go to a place called the Center for Early Education. Oh. It's a place for children uh, who, uh, who are very smart or very dumb. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm, but they're a wonderful, they're a wonderful school, and, they, and they, uh, they do a great job. And this is obviously, this child is a graduate of the Center for Early Education, and I appreciate a plug for that wonderful school. We're out of time, and I'm sorry because I'd like for you to stay another four hours. Um, I'll stick around. I don't have to be on the radio. I'll just hang around the station. It's <laughs> air-conditioned. Okay. Maybe well, you'll you give me a nectarine you without a med in it, I hope. Could you give us one last piece of advice before yes, we go? Yes, stay out of a Ferrari or any other Italian small cars because they can turn over, they can hurt a Jewish person very badly. The movie yes. is The History of the World, Part 1, at the Metro Theater. Go see it tonight. You may see Mel Brooks skulking around the lobby. Thank you again. We're going to take a short break here for some news and some weather, and we have the KGO marching band to introduce the weather. KGO San Francisco. KGO Radio News Talk Time is now 2 o'clock. From ABC News, I'm Bob Schmidt. The aerial chemical war to save California agriculture from the pesky med fly... If you'd like to follow Jessica online, you can find her on Instagram at Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. And Elena is E-L-A-I-N-A. -A, Jessica underscore Elena underscore Eason. You can follow me on Instagram at James underscore Eason underscore music. The show is produced and edited by me, James Eason, and the theme music is composed by me, James Eason. Mm -hmm.